0: Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. How many of you still have Christmas decorations up? All right. I'm glad there's a few of us that are willing to admit that. We actually, we just took ours down recently. It was a little bit sad. Uh, any Christmas presents left that you haven't opened yet, a few people still holding out to open some Christmas presents. That's awesome. Patience is a good thing. Delayed gratification. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago I had an image of, of a present that's still left that needs to be opened. Um, and I'll come back to that later. Uh, on Friday, I want to just thank Big John and George um, for coming to the Boys and Girls Club. They actually had a, a fashion show Friday night, and so John and George came and helped me. We set up the curtains so they, they could use those for the fashion show. But when we got here, there was this like just huge red carpet down the middle of the gym, It was pretty cool. I I wish I could have come to the fashion show Friday night, but it reminded me that this is like award season for all the entertainment industries, the Grammy Awards, all those that I don't really follow or pay attention to, but there's all this buzz about the red carpet. Um, And and one of the most popular questions that's asked is, who are you wearing? Which is kind of a weird question, but I I get it. Who are you wearing? Um, We'll come back to that later too. All right, two cliffhangers, I'm off to a good start. All right, Bible scholars, those of you who've been reading through the New Testament uh, in January, I have a question for you. Uh, How many times does Jesus forgive someone in the Gospel of John? 7,777. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like in some ways it's a tough question to answer. Uh, There are definitely some scenes of forgiveness in the Gospel of John, but it's interesting that it's, it's always implied. So in John 5, we have a man at the pool who can't walk, and he's been there for years, and Jesus comes by and says, do you want to be well? And then he tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, walk. And so we haven't heard anything about forgiveness yet, but the man does stand up and walks and he's carrying his mat and the religious leaders get upset because it's the Sabbath and he's not supposed to be carrying his mat. And eventually he finds Jesus again and Jesus says, you have been made well, so stop sinning. And so we get this message that there's some sort of forgiveness that has taken place. And then a few chapters later, uh, the religious leaders are up and on about who Jesus is, where is his authority coming from, and they want to challenge him, and there's a woman who's caught in adultery. And so these self-righteous leaders bring her before Jesus and say, the law commands that she be stoned. What do you say? And so they pick up their stones. And Jesus enters into, into that, that space Cast and they drop their stones and walk away. And it's just Jesus and the woman. And he asks her where, is it, where the accusers are. And then he says, Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And so there's forgiveness enacted and implied. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus never says, I forgive you. Or as he poignantly does in the other Gospels, your sins are forgiven. And there's another scene in the Gospel of John where we have forgiveness enacted and implied. And that comes in uh, John 21, which Doug kind of alluded to this story two weeks ago and it's one of my favorite stories in the Scripture. But we have Peter, who's followed Jesus intensely for three years. And then right before he's crucified and died, he fails. And then Jesus is resurrected. Jesus rises from the dead. And he has a couple encounters with Peter and the other disciples. But I sense that Peter's holding on to something. He's not quite sure what the relationship is and what he's supposed to do going forward. And so he goes back to what he knows best. He goes back to his fishing boat. But as he's fishing, Jesus comes on the shore, and they see him, and I sense that, G- that Peter is just filled with this sense of excitement. He's alive. What's going to happen next? And so he jumps out of the boat, and as Doug mentioned, I, there's... Maybe this idea that he expected to walk on the water, as Doug taught about a couple weeks ago, in that story, that that Peter, seeing Jesus risen from the dead, is like, yes, I can walk on the water, but he doesn't. And so I wonder, when he sinks, is he reminded of that? Like, Yeah, I failed at this the first time, and I still can't do it. I don't have that faith. But he pushes through, to his credit, he swims to shore to find Jesus. And when he gets there, he's met with a charcoal fire. And that may not seem too significant except for the fact that a charcoal fire is only mentioned twice in the New Testament. And the last time it's mentioned is at the point of Peter's greatest failure. After Jesus has been arrested and he's on trial, Peter's outside and he's by this charcoal fire trying to And it's there that people say, hey, you're one of his followers, aren't you? And he denies it three times. And so I can only imagine what's running through Peter's mind when he gets to the shore and is met with the sight and the smell Of charcoal fire. It's the memory of his deepest failure. And I wonder if any of you here this morning are troubled by those memories. And after breakfast, a breakfast of fish, which is not my favorite breakfast food, but breakfast nonetheless, after that meal, Jesus and Peter have a really important conversation. And Jesus asks the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And maybe maybe Peter senses a bit of relief. Like, oh yeah, Jesus still wants to be in relationship with me. We can move on. And he's not bringing up that failure. This is good. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus says. And then he asks again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And maybe Peter starts thinking, why is he asking me again? Didn't we just cover this, Jesus? But he responds, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus says. And then... The third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And instantly, Peter knows. The smell of charcoal, three times, Peter knows. It hurts. The wound is laid bare, his shame exposed. "'Lord, you know everything, everything, everything. "'You knew I'd deny you. "'You know what happened. "'You know my failure. "'But don't you know what happened? "'And Jesus responds again, "'Feed my sheep.'" He doesn't say, "'Yes, Peter, I know.'" I forgive you. In the Gospel of John, Jesus never says, I forgive you, or your sins are forgiven. But Peter knows, and we can see it. There's no clearer picture of forgiveness than what Jesus does in that conversation, forgiving and restoring Peter by taking him back to the place of his deepest pain, but reminding him of his new identity, to not just be a fisherman, but to be a fisher of men, and even more, a shepherd for all people, to follow in Jesus' shepherding footsteps, to lead people in the way of Jesus. But why doesn't Jesus say it? Why doesn't John record the instances of Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven? Why, John? I think our answer may be found, perhaps, in the beginning of John's Gospel, back in chapter 1, on the lips of John the Baptist, a day after emphatically telling people that he was not the Messiah, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus enacts forgiveness in several instances in John's Gospel, but he never says it. He doesn't have to. Because he is The one who takes away the sin of the world. He is forgiveness. He is the Word become flesh, living among us. He is God in the flesh. He is, He is the I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. God become flesh is forgiveness. His gift to us is His very self. The one He takes away the sin of the world, the one who is forgiveness. And there's probably many of us here this morning who know this on some level, but maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing it for the first time. But speaking of gifts, I said I had this image of an unopened present. God gives us his very self. God gives us forgiveness. But sometimes I think we don't open that gift. We don't receive it. We live in the guilt and in the shame. And we live haunted by the memories of our past. We live wondering, has God really forgiven me? And when we do that, there's a sense in which we haven't been forgiven, because forgiveness isn't complete until we receive it. And so I have this image of a Christmas present that has been sitting under the tree, and maybe you've put your tree away, but the present's still there. And all over the wrapping paper is written the word forgiveness. And we look at that present and we say, oh, what a beautiful gift. The gift of forgiveness. What a beautiful present I've gotten. And it's still sitting there, unopened. So I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that needs to open that present. To fully receive it. Inside is a robe of Christ's righteousness, embroidered on the chest. Beloved child, forgiven and free. In Isaiah sixty-one ten, it was written this powerful verse i am overwhelmed with joy in the lord my god for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness i am overwhelmed with joy in the lord my god for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. And in Galatians three, Paul writes, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. For all of you. Who into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. So I return to the question, who are you wearing? All right, so full disclosure, I was supposed to kick off a series on discipleship this morning. But I felt like that message was burning in me and needed to be shared and even as I was looking at this passage for discipleship forgiveness kept coming to me and I'm really grateful as I was chatting with Dave Bilecki and Aubrey they reminded me that forgiveness is a vital part of that discipleship journey As Dave so eloquently put it, it's hard to follow someone if there's something in the way. And so maybe that word forgiveness is something you need to receive this morning, but I do want to talk about discipleship as well, if you'll allow me a few more minutes. Repentance and forgiveness are an ongoing part of discipleship. Aubrey wrote me We have this invitation to be who we are becoming. Forgiveness frees us to live into the reality of our identity as God's beloved. And we grow into the reality of our forgiven state as we choose to follow him. Discipleship has been a big part of who Renew has sensed its calling to be. We emphasize it a lot. That's why we gather in house churches so that we can be in smaller groups to encourage and disciple one another in circles. It's why we do men's discipleship group, women's discipleship group, book groups, scripture groups, prayer night, renew families where we say, how can we disciple our kids? So we put a lot of emphasis on discipleship. In fact, some have said we bet the farm on it. And so over the next few gatherings, we're going to take some time to explore discipleship. What does it look like? How do we grow more in our relationship with Jesus? And how do we follow Jesus, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? I remember singing about the way Jesus calls his followers. Come and see. Follow me. And even the story we looked at earlier with Peter, And Jesus is extending another invitation to Peter, who's been following him for three years. Extends him another invitation to follow me. And so wherever we are in the journey, we are continually being invited into discipleship. Invited to follow Jesus. Invited to take another step. To be more like him, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Because following Him, He leads us into abundant life. A life of joy. A life that is truly human. And doesn't mean it's easy. And it comes with a cost. It comes with sacrifice. But it is worth it. And there's something interesting in Peter and Jesus' conversation in John 21. For the last year plus renews vision has been to see our community grow in our love for Jesus. To grow deeper into love with Him, with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, our whole body, and to love others. And perhaps you've heard this before, uh, but there are a couple different Greek words for love. And one of those words is agape. Agape which is a willful choice and an unconditional, self-giving love. This is God's deep love for us. This is the love Jesus demonstrates to us in his life, death, and resurrection. It is love that is action and will, a choice to do whatever it takes, to do what is best for the beloved. And then there's also Philo, which relates a bit more to feeling and affection. It's where the city close to us gets its name, Philadelphia. It's brotherly love. And I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to be one. And to be honest, Greek scholars actually debate about the level of distinction that there is between these two words. They are very much synonyms of love. They relate a bit of distinction in love. How much we make of that distinction, I'm not sure. But there's something fascinating in this passage. And so, for the sake of this morning, I'm going to say that agape, that deep, self-giving, active love, is the English word love say that philo is like i like somebody i like my brother i don't have a brother i have some affection for them i feel good about them i like them and both of these are good and both are necessary and the truth is that god loves us with both these types of love the other interesting thing is that both are used in this passage in john 21 so the first time jesus comes to peter and says peter do you love me? And Peter's response is, you know, I like you. And so Peter asks again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, you know, I like you. And the third time, Jesus comes back to Simon Peter and says, do you like me? to the beauty of the God who loves us. He comes to Peter's level and says, do you like me? He meets Peter right where he's at. Peter says, you know I like you. And there's a sense in which this is Peter being honest and humble because only a few chapters earlier, He made this bold declaration of his love for Jesus and promised that if everybody else uh, deserted him, that Peter was willing to die for Jesus because he loved him that much. And then a few hours later, he's accused of being a follower of Jesus and says, no, I do not even know him. So the empty words of his love met his deepest failure. When push came to shove, Peter did not love Jesus like he thought he did. But the beautiful thing is Jesus meets him in that space. Like me? That's enough. I can work with that. One commenter wrote this The one who can turn water into wine, the one who can turn death into life, surely he can turn like into love. And so that's the invitation of discipleship. Jesus meeting us right where we are at and saying, Are you willing to be transformed? By me. Whether you love Jesus, whether you like him, whether you're not quite sure, Jesus meets you this morning and says, come and see. Come and follow. Be transformed by my love for you. And that is the goal of discipleship, that we might love with the love of God. His love poured into us, poured through us and out of us. So will you take the next step? Will you put on Christ and take just one step to follow Him? God, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Your love that is deeper than we can imagine, that meets us in the place of our pain, our brokenness, our shame, our grief. We thank you for inviting us to take a step to follow you. And maybe the step that some of us need to take this morning is simply opening the gift of forgiveness that you give to us. To receive the clothing of salvation and the robe of righteousness. To have our identity renewed. That we are your beloved. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just stir in us to take another step to follow Jesus to be transformed by his love for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.